Okay, here we go. I'm excited to be here again with you guys today. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. Thank you once again for joining us. And I also want to thank all of you for all your support. It's been wonderful. And I need to thank our sponsor, Veracity Networks. Thank you for believing in me and helping get this message out to many, many people, thousands and thousands. It's crazy where this has gone now. And it's because of the amazing guests that we have on. And today's going to be no different. I have Gainalyn Condi. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Todd. Yes. Thank you so much. And I've been wanting to have you on for a long, long time. Well, I'm and so I'm glad grateful. it happened. Yes. <laughs> Finally. I feel like our pre-show <laughs> needed to be taped. I know. We should have. You know, <laughs> I we, didn't use up all the good stuff. She I didn't. Promise. No, I we're, promise. We're actually going to. We'll circle back. Okay, we'll get a lot of that. Let's do it. So a little background on Gaina Lynn. Um, she's a popular motivational speaker. She's known for inspiring others with her unique honesty, authenticity, and spirit. And again, you guys, when you listen to her, she really is. She just says it like it is. And, and I think that's why people really love and gravitate towards you because you just speak with just being real thank and, you. and I love that about you and I want to thank you for that um, she's uh, dedicated to her family her faith and inspiring others she loves teaching others with speaking and writing she's written many many books she does a podcast she like I said she's a motivational speaker she's out there really being a light to the world um, after you know a heartbreaking suicide of her 40 year old sister um, she's now constantly working towards prevention and things like that in that area, and we'll talk more about that. Um, she lives with an open heart, feels passionate about sharing principles that will empower others to live life with more joy. And I, I really want to touch a lot on that today. And again, you're a regular television and radio guest. You're on Good Things Utah all the time. That's, yeah. Anyway, I, the list goes on and on. <laughs> thank, thank you. So thank you for, for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us. I, it's a joy to be here. It's a joy to talk with you and to be yeah. inspired by your story. And thank if you. I can help in any of these kinds of conversations, I'm willing to have them. Yeah, because thanks. I think just having them, right, helps yeah. people. Absolutely. I keep thinking after <laughs> I've done about 1,200 speaking events and TV and radio, I host three different shows that I've already told the story so many times every everybody's <laughs> right. heard and every time I feel like I learned something by telling it yeah and I hear from someone that's like I've heard you say I've w listened to it and then you said this and so I think once in a while I still meet people that are like nah therapy I don't know if I can admit to that or I don't know if I can ask yeah, for help right. so we just need to keep talking we just yeah. need to keep talking and keep talking yeah. I need to hear it 27 times sometimes and absolutely and so if I can offer the conversation again up I will do it no thank you and and I love that you said that I it, that's the way we connect and we say this in our in our industry here is connection is the opposite of addiction and so when we're connected with someone, and that's why I love that you're here for people to connect with your story today, because you're going to you're going to inspire and help a lot of people who really need to hear this message today. Well, and I would just add the time of this taping is still in the middle of COVID. I don't know when listeners are going to hear it. They may hear They'll it. They'll hear it soon. Yeah. Very soon. But, <laughs> but if they catch it a year yeah. from now, right, and yeah. we're in a different space, it's been a really heartbreaking few months just from a mental health standpoint and sure. the work that both of us are doing yeah. and I know you're hearing from a lot of people that like you just said connection is the opposite of addiction so the addiction rates 
The suicide yeah. calls are up a thousand percent to the suicide hotlines. And, and that's really concerning. And what I think it really goes back to is the ways in which we were connecting yeah. stopped. That's a good point. They yeah. stopped. And so these podcasts, I think, are even more crucial than they were pre-March. Yeah. Because this is oftentimes I'm hearing from people now on a new level because they're at home. Yeah. They're socially distancing and they're listening and consuming more content online for good and for bad, right? Right. So yeah. <laughs> depending on what your addiction of choice is, um, I think this is more than ever important that we have this kind of platform. Yeah. And there's good and bad with it, right? Like, sure. you know, YouTube, I have a YouTube channel, so I get the good and the bad. Yeah. I have Instagram and Twitter and, and all these platforms are are allowing connection during a pandemic and and we've got to find new ways to pivot around that because yeah. it's it's costing lives yeah and addiction levels i think even for me i'm going to just be honest with you todd sure. like all the therapy i've done all the work <laughs> i've done all my issues like the day the pandemic showed up i felt like they showed up on the front porch and they were like <laughs> pounding on the door and right. they're like hey we heard <laughs> we heard that your daughter's gonna be home from school your, your college baby adult son is going to work from the basement room during the day. And your husband, he's not sure what's going on with his job. So we thought we would show back up too. <laughs> all my issues, Todd, all my issues. Right. I was like, I did not invite you back. Yeah. But they did, you know, and even uh, friends of mine that are dear close friends that have lots of degrees in mental health work. Sure are back in therapy and dealing with their stuff yeah. and, and struggling. And so I guess I would just say to your listeners, first and foremost, if you're feeling pushed to the brink, welcome to the club. Yeah. Because we all are. We're all having to reassess. Sure. All those ways in which we distracted and, and numbed, really, yeah. that were socially acceptable and maybe yeah. not even in the addiction realm, but going to the movies, watching sports, whatever yeah. those things were, the distance we had because we were busy. My speaking schedule completely came to a halt, yeah. but then transferred to Zoom, yeah, right? right? And so <laughs> I sit at my desk sure. and speak to audiences now, which is not the same feedback. I don't get the same high from it. Yeah, it's you different. Know? I'm it not really seeing is. the faces and feeling the feedback and the connection. Plus, I'm also not getting in the car, going to the airport, staying in a hotel, which is a break from my family. Which fam. is kind of nice. <laughs> yes. Both you know, ways. Both ways, right? <laughs> like I just spoke to Belgium the other day and it was nice. I had no jet lag. But <laughs> the minute the minute the event was over, my family's in the kitchen wrestling with popcorn and I'm like... <laughs> You know what? There's no division in my life. And yeah. so I have found my stuff, my issues right back in my face. So yeah. I no. think this is just crucial. I think podcasting and conversations around yeah. the issues we're going to talk about today yeah. are, are super critical right now. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. And very well said, you know, and we're going to get into all that. But I want people, I mean, a lot of people know you. You've, you're very well known because you've done so many things. And you're really, like I said, a light to all of us. But I want to get people to know a little bit background of you. Just tell us a little bit about where you grew up and a little bit about your family life. So I grew up in California, Northern California area. So okay. up until junior high, I was in the Sacramento area. And then my mom, who had remarried, so that's part of the story too. We moved north of that to a, an area of Marysville, Yuba City. It's south of Chico, if you're familiar with north, north of Sacramento. Okay. And and. You know, my parents were divorced at a time within my church. There weren't a lot of divorced families. I guess that's the unique thing 
that I would say that played into my belief system a little bit sure. and kind of challenged what I thought. We didn't have the quote unquote on Sunday ideal family situation and it unfortunately is now not unique, right? right. But at the time yeah. it was very unique to be in a single mom situation. My mom was working and my sister and I were 18 months apart. Okay. And uh, we're the only full sibling. And so this is my sister that died by suicide. Uh, okay. So all of my siblings, I'm the oldest of 10, but we're all halves except Meg and I. Okay. And so I share a parent with all my siblings and I don't ever distinguish that they're my half. But, right. but I think there's something significant about what Meg and I experienced. And it really does play into who I am and what I wrestle and struggle with a little bit is that those early years of watching my mother who who deals with mental health issues. Yeah. She knows I talk and I've written about and, <laughs> and she's really comfortable. Yeah. She's super proud of me and she's worked sure. really hard to um, address her issues, but she still struggles. And, and, and I think that's important because I grew up in a home where there was definitely a sense from a very young age um, of some vulnerability and fear. Yeah. And that was around some mental health stuff. And I very much saw myself at a very young age, not only as Meg's sister, but I was her mama. And oh, I okay. saw myself as almost my mom's mama too. Really? Because I saw that she she was battling being a single mom and taking care of two kids and some of her struggles. She remarried a wonderful guy. I have a stepdad that I love and and they soon had a baby of their own that died when I was 10. Oh, so wow. my sister Bonnie is buried to my next to my sister Meg, Meg and okay. and so Bonnie died near the age of two, and that played into some some heightened grief and awareness of the vulnerability mm. of life. How old were you when she when she, Bonnie passed? I was ten, ten and so okay. I was very aware of. You knew what was going on. Yeah, yeah. and um, I I could tell a whole I could have a whole podcast just about that whole grieving process, but sure. I soon um, around the age of seven I write about this in my book you are more than enough you are magnificent where i had a very big sense of the world the universe and maybe my part in it and what i came to earth to share i you know i think people talk about where they had a vision of what they wanted to be or their passion in life or yeah. and and i and i remember walking home from school and i could tell my mom struggled with some things and mm -hmm. i very much had internalized it that um, it was about me, that if I could be perfect, yeah, then I could, you know, I could solve the pain I was seeing. Yeah. And I had this really skewed sense of where I feel like in in my faith I call him God, but I but I I love my agnostic and my atheist readers and friends. <laughs> sure. And, and they buy my books and they yeah. know I'm very faith focused but they they sure. trust that i'm going to be honest about my lens exactly and so yeah. i really love interfaith work for that reason love that um but i i had a skewed perspective of i felt like god had shown me what i came to earth a little bit to do and i interpreted that to mean at the age of seven oh i could save the people i love if yeah if yeah. if i was perfect then wow. I could fix. And um, and I say that because I think as children, we really do internalize what we see as chaos around us and right. the vulnerability in a way that me means something as a child that doesn't really mean that as an adult, but you spend the rest of your adult life trying to undo that 
that meaning. And so I very much believed that my role in the family as the oldest child um, was to care for and be perfect. And that if I could do that, it would stop the pain I saw happening. It's a lot of pressure. And it was. And, you know, I really set out then to be, um, I think, break patterns that I was seeing happen. Right. And no disrespect, my mother did her best too. For sure, yeah. She has her whole story of where she's one of my heroes because she's one of the most giving people I know, but dealt with bipolar. And and that played out in really significant, really um, intense ways in our home at times. And uh, I, I know that we all do the best we can with what we have at the time and then we get better. And yeah. one of the things I'll say about my mom is she's always been really honest and willing to own her stuff. And I yeah. think that allows healing to happen in a family. For sure. She's not in denial. Right. And so as I grew up, I definitely felt like, okay, what's the best thing I could do for my family? My siblings, the families were growing. My dad had remarried and he had his five kids with my stepmom. Yeah. And then my mom and stepdad continued to have the, a family. And so I was the oldest of all these siblings. Wow, yeah. And I thought, okay, education, you know, yeah. maybe if, and I had an amazing teacher in the, in the fourth grade, Miss Krause. And when you ask about heroes, she's up there with, she really saw in me, um, in a way, she was the toughest, meanest teacher in the school. Uh, she gave the most homework. <laughs> and she's yeah. since passed. But before she passed, I sent her one of my books. Hmm. And I found her. I tracked her down. Really? And I wrote her a letter. And I just said, I wouldn't be here. Because what was happening at home, I would go to school. And it was like, whoa, there's this whole world. And she was so tough because she thought I was smart. Mm. And so she didn't let me like so skate. She you. Yeah. yeah. And um, from that point, I decided I wanted to be a teacher because I saw that in the classroom, you could take kids from all these worlds and whatever was happening at home, you could open a book and you could say to them, wait, I think you're smart. And they're going to rise. And she did. She treated us all. Like I joke, the other teacher in the grade was Mr. Flores. (laughs) And he had the guitar. I had him for the next grade. And no offense to Mr. Flores if he listens to this. But (laughs) I don't remember learning anything that year. We sang a lot of folk songs. A lot of songs. Right. Didn't do a lot of homework. You know. And I cried a lot because the homework was tough. And once again, I thought, Todd, if I was perfect. So I didn't allow a lot of wiggle room. I had to get the best grades. But there was something inside of me that saw that there was more than that was just happening around me. And that was such a gift. And so I went on to college and I was kind of the first to do that, you know, and uh, I had big plans and big things. Honestly, people say what and I write about it. And I think the book, The Decision That Changed My Life, I. I wanted to be on the Today Show or Oprah, one of those two. And all the other kids when I was little would come home and watch (laughs) cartoons and I would try to find any news show at the time. And then it was Phil Donahue, if you remember Phil Donahue. Yeah, Yeah. that'll date me. But yes, I remember Donahue. Because I'm almost 50. So if that tells everybody. (laughs) And and Sally, Jesse, Raphael, and then Oprah showed up, right? But these were the people having the awkward conversations. Exactly. And I knew that was my gift. Really? Yeah. I was like, wait. You mean you're going to put people on a stage and you're going to ask them to talk about the thing that is scary. Yeah. And when you do that, 
people are going to connect. We didn't have Brene Brown, so we didn't know it was vulnerability <laughs> and connection right, and we shame. Didn't, sure. We didn't have words for that, but I could see that. Damn. And I, I could also see there was a solution for my own trauma right. there on the screen. Yeah. So I didn't care about cartoons and whatever. That's what I wanted to watch. And that's what I wanted to do. Really? I wanted to be somehow awesome. a teacher that I, I told you before we started, I got a minor in psychology and I realized I couldn't be a therapist because I believed in therapy. And I saw that my mom who believed in therapy and went to therapy and how that had saved a lot of the trauma in our family um, was a gift. But I also realized I would talk my clients to death if I was a therapist. I'd be paying them to come You don't talk very much. <laughs> you know, they come over to see me as a therapist. I'd be handing them money back saying, no, I think I talked the whole time. So that's somewhat how I became aware I that I needed to... to to find a different so I was a broadcast journalism major for a while but the the tv station I was doing an internship that didn't feel very connecting it felt very like kind of a little doggy dog and and I think you you and I have both have relationships with people in the media and and it's yes. an intense yeah. and this is remember pre-cell phone no one was producing a show with their cell phone exactly no one was podcasting at home this was old school I was putting wires in the switchboard <laughs> thing and yeah. and you would do long hours and yeah. it was kind of a backstabbing I could feel that and that wasn't going to be good for me yeah. so I I settled on education but I really did I really did want to sit down and have the conversations, the awkward conversations. I mean, Phil Donahue was doing shows about LGBT stuff when no one was talking way, about yeah, that. Yeah, and it was like, right? how, how dare he? Yeah, right? and Oprah was talking about race way yeah. before 2020, right? Yeah. And there were divorce and depression and anxiety and suicide and transgender issues and all the things, all yeah. the addiction stories, right? Nobody yeah. was talking. And so I really saw that somewhere there was... I could see healing there, yeah. even though it only went so far. Right. And that's what I wanted to be. And so I got a teaching degree and, and I met my husband. He was my friend. Okay. And I always tell <laughs> I always tell college kids that ask me about marriage, if you can marry your best friend, there's some there's some job security in that. Right. Because you yeah. can fall in love with lots of people and Hollywood shows you these like rocket ships and Right. It's not really what it's about. It's I mean, my husband's gone through infertility and chemotherapy and I'm All bald kinds, and I'm right. on medicine for lupus that makes me have a moon face. And that's not glamorous. No, that's not romantic candlelight dinner. <laughs> right. No, no. And you know what? Really what Hollywood, I no offense to Hollywood. But Hollywood really teaches, like, if you're not fulfilling all my needs, then I'm out of here. I'm out. Yep. And that's yeah. not what marriage is it's not. for me, anyways. Well, you know, when you say that, one of the one of the most powerful uh, quotes on what love actually is came from Dave Dorsher from the Other Side Academy. Oh. He says, love equals sacrifice. It does. And I'm like, how perfect, because yes. that's really what it is. Yeah. And you know what? My husband, um, you know... He was my friend, and that friendship, I think, has been the foundation. Our yeah. faith and our friendship has That's kept awesome. us committed. Sure. Because it's not, I mean, Gail Miller, if you're listening to this and you live in Utah and you know the yeah. jazz, you know Gail <laughs> Miller. Yeah. And I used to be a magazine editor here locally years ago, and uh, we gave an award to Mary Kay Huntsman and Gail Miller and Dee Wright, who's Doug Wright's wife, yeah. and a couple of other, Bronco Mendenhall's wife, BYU coach, right, sure, who's yeah. not anymore. And um, we were giving awards to women that 
that were the women behind the men. Right. And Gail Miller, we had this big luncheon at the governor's mansion, and she stood up and gave, gave the greatest acceptance speech. And she said, people ask about how Larry and I have stayed <laughs> married all these years. And I tell them, I just, I've liked him and loved him one day more than I wanted to divorce him. <laughs> Isn't that the greatest answer, Todd? That is awesome. That's perfect. And and it's like, we've (laughs) got to give permission for the messiness. I mean, I tell college kids when I speak to college kids that the hardest stuff is the best stuff. Yeah. That's marriage and parenting and, and, you know, in our faith, serving missions for your church and serving in the military. Yeah. Right. This isn't the glamour stuff, right? This is the hard stuff. And so I would just say marrying your friend, your best friend, that's really kept us because we're about to celebrate our 30th. Well, congratulations. We're in our 29th year. Congrats. And, That's um, awesome. And there, there have been seasons, right, where, yeah. I mean, I wish someone had taught me that marriage relationships go through seasons. Yeah. And sometimes we go through a season, in a w- every season in a day or in a week. Yeah. And we stick through those seasons, stick right? Stick through them, yeah. Yeah. And so I, wow, I, know, well I know that for, for, for me that that's been a really and he's he's different he's an accountant he's very different than i am in many ways right we don't show share everything in common you know he doesn't want to sit on a podcast and talk about (laughs) every bit of all the secrets but he's learned that there's saving grace in that and and we've learned some things together and i brought my my family of origin and he brought his family of origin and we've tried to create in the middle this this Uh, other thing right this we c- I came from a family where if you weren't yelling about something, then there was something wrong. And he came from a family, if you were talking about anything other than whatever yeah. that was on the surface and happy and birds and flowers, then something was wrong. Something's and wrong, we've yeah. tried to create this middle, you know. That's so awesome. and, and we've messed up, you know, yeah. we've messed up. We've We have two wonderful kids that I fought really hard to have. Mm-hmm. Um, when the doctor said you won't have any, it took Man. seven years to have my son. Okay and six to have my daughter and uh, they love each other. And people always said, oh my gosh, you have six years apart. What are you going to do? And I say, well, that's when God gave them to me. So that's what we're going to do. Yeah, we'll just do it. We're going to just do this, <laughs> right? And I yeah. told my son, especially, we started a jar for your therapy the minute you were born. Because <laughs> by the way, seven years I of infertility it. just messes up a kid right there. You yeah. would have thought the second coming of the of Jesus had happened <laughs> when he was finally born, you know, and 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 I had read way too many books, you know, and sure. like I told you, I was going to be the perfect whatever yeah. I was going to undo whatever trauma. Yeah. And um, and I haven't I, I haven't always done and known what to do. You know, he he is brilliant and deals with his own stuff. And and I remember many days falling to my knees in my closet saying, God, you gave me this kid and I don't know. I just don't know. And that really led to wow. writing my very first book because we went through what I call the angry years, 13 to 15. Yeah. Parents of 13 to 15 year old, especially boys, when the hormones hit oh, and yeah. the brain is changing and, you know, yeah. and they don't want to talk to mom and dad. You no, know, oh, my no. daughter is 16 and she she and I won't have a better second language. But right. but <laughs> but I didn't always know. Right. I remember thinking, wait a minute. You know, it wasn't until he was kind of through that that I talked to one other mom and she said she had gone through the same thing. And I said, well, where were you? Where were you? I just needed to talk to one other parent. But, you know, you're trying to keep your kids privacy. And I write about it in my forgiveness book. 
um, that right. I just, that's really what was the genesis bef- behind my first book is that I wanted a, a book that had stories of that private stuff. Yeah. That stuff that you need just one friend exactly. to say, I validate you. Yeah. I've been through that addiction. I've been through that, whatever, that depression, that, that divorce, that eating disorder, that whatever. I, I want, I didn't like my kid either. Yeah. I loved him, but sure. I didn't like him. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't have that book to pick up. And so that's, that's, that's I, where that came yeah, from. that's where that came from. Well, it's like you said, it's like these hard and difficult times end up being the best thing that ever happened because yeah. that book never would have been possible right. had you not been going through yeah. these things. And that's why I honor you know? the childhood I came from. Sure. You know, they were the great teachers of my life and yeah. my parents did the best they could. And then you look to my grandparents and their story and you go, oh, well, that explains some of that. Yeah, you start to understand. Yeah. yeah. And then you go back to their parents and go, gosh, they did change some things. And so I'm looking forward to meeting my grandchildren someday because I'm hoping my kids have done and will do better than dad and I did. And, and, you know, I, and I would just say that that really, that really plays into what I do now and that, um, I'm willing to sit down and have a conversation about the awkward thing. It doesn't scare me. It actually excites me. What scares me more, and this probably comes from some of my trauma as a kid, Uh is when I walk into a room and there's that feeling of that thing that no one's talking about. That's the scariest room for me to walk in. Oh, interesting. And that's because I, I got really good as a kid reading the room and reading is, is today the day is this going to happen or is this going to happen? Yeah, is someone wow. I love going to hit me or is someone I love going to try to take their life? And that's really what I was playing with. And so I got really good at that. So I get way more uncomfortable in a room of small talk. Yeah. I get way more uncomfortable in a room where everyone's not talking about what's really going yeah. on. And I think that's why, you know, when you do speak, you're again, you're very real and authentic. You come across with authority and you're very assertive and i think that i mean now we know why yeah you know it's great to hear this backstory because that makes a lot more sense of why you are so like hey let's talk about the elephant in the room yeah right well and and my sister meg died six and a half years ago by suicide i wanted to talk about that yeah and so because of that it i had already written the first book it hadn't been published yet and and that to me is why i had submitted it twice and it had been rejected by two publishers and she hadn't died yet. It was submitted to my current publisher, okay. and she died during the time they were pre. They uh, were, you know, a- addressing whether they were going to publish it or not. And when they came to me, she had died six weeks before, and they said, "We want to publish this." And and I said, "Well, we've got to rewrite a part because there was a key story that hadn't happened." And for me, that's God and His timing. So I say to yeah. your listeners that have it on right. their heart that they want a podcast, they want a blog. I get those letters tw- twenty times a week. Sure. I want to be a speaker. I want to write a book. I say, "Are you?" you hearing God in your life wherever you're at and maybe for you you uh, you define God as a higher power maybe you're atheist and and you don't even know what's bigger than you but I always say for me I've got to have something bigger for me for me it's God yeah and I always say his timing is perfect and so is he talking to you while you're working at the car wash can you hear him at the car wash because I look back and see that he put on my heart to write the book before Meg died because he knew 
like the whole ship had to be built and then beforehand we, beforehand right exactly and and then we rewrote that part and that chapter of that first book i can do hard things with god has opened the door with wow. atheists and agnostics and other religions even though my faith is boldly on the cover everyone knows what my lens is yeah um right people of all faiths that have lost someone from suicide 20 years before are still not healed from that and i would say what really was crucial for me is that I I knew that that there's a key story for all of us that isn't probably being talked about. And after that book and all the speaking that's come, I've I've met thousands of probably millions at this point if I did sure. the math. Right. Todd, no one I've talked to, not one person I've talked to either doesn't struggle themselves with depression and anxiety love someone that does or like our family lost someone to suicide that's literally everyone on the planet right yeah so when we think it's kind of an us and them like there's all these people over there dealing with addiction or all these people over there dealing with anxiety depression it's kind of all of us wow it's all of us right it sure is so if if we're not having the conversation then you know, it's usually the person in the back corner when I'm speaking at an event that won't ever look up that I, they're the ones I'm, I'm really talking to. Yep. And if I can get, if I can see their, the whites of their eyes and then some emotion by the end, then I'm like, Hey, I showed up for all the other exactly. 900 for no reason. Yeah. It was for that one that the wall Right. To give permission as a speaker, as an author, wow. as a podcaster. right? Sure. Yeah. If we're giving words to that, yeah. that's who I'm usually going for, which is why COVID has been weird. Yeah. Because I've, right. I'm speaking from my desk a lot of the time and I can't see yeah. that. Yeah. Wow. That's so well said. And I can feel your feel feel your passion around all that. Um, you know. I think what I've noticed too is with with COVID and everything is you know, we were talking about this earlier how there's less connection and this and that and I think you even said that the suicide rates are up skyrocketing and stuff. Um, do you see that that plays a part in you know just the way people re- react with you when you come and speak? I mean, do you feel like they're even more like I needed this message more now than ever or? I mean, do you notice a difference because of COVID in well, that message, th- even though it's Zoom a lot yeah, of times? Yeah, I think what I'm seeing is um, that definitely my online content is being consumed at a different level right okay, now. sure, yeah. And so because yeah. of that, I'm getting messages at, at different levels that about things that I think people are ready to talk to. But I would say at this point, if we were to take a snapshot on what's happening on a social or a societal level is we haven't even seen yet what is happening now. I think we're still somewhat in the incubator of some of the trauma that's happening. And and I'm wondering what we're going to be dealing with a year from now. A year from now. We're going to be having a conversation a year from now. And I'll come back on and talk with you anytime you want about what did what have we seen in our rearview mirror that needs to be addressed. But I will say this regarding audiences. You and I both share a love for the prison. Yes. And that sounds like a funny thing to be saying. (laughs) But people say, where do you love to speak the most? And I would say, I mean, I love to go in the high schools. And I love churches because I can talk faith 90 hours. All time. Yeah. And I love talking about faith. And I like to talk about faith in a really real way. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of faith commentators out there. But 
specifically in our in my faith identity um sometimes we we stay on on the what we don't go to the how Mm -hmm. and we don't and we miss a step in there about the why and we think god and the bible is filled with all these perfect families and so i love to talk about (laughs) faith in a way of like no everyone's dysfunctional and this is where i see faith fitting in yeah but the reason i love going to the prisons is man that audience they their hearts there's no wall you know no one a first no one is forcing them out of their cell to come here you speak if you're right if you're at the prison and they came into the auditorium they already chose in yep right yeah and they've already had their life stripped down yeah and they're sensitive but going back to one of the first times i spoke in the prisons it was the women's prison here in utah and and I did my whole thing for an hour and I'm seeing the reaction, right? Like yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing the crying and I'm seeing the response and there's one inmate and she's like, won't even look up. And she's it, in my mind, she was just angry, angry. Yeah. The wall never came down. And honestly, Todd, I finished, I was like, okay, yeah, well, that didn't work for her. I didn't work for her. And yeah. I've, I've had to come to a place where Listen, trolls have taught me some hard lessons about <laughs> who I work for and why I do it because sure. I am not everybody's cup of tea. Right. And I and they there's people out there that their full time job is to let me know yeah. how I'm a I'm a loser and why do I have this show and why am I on this channel? Yeah, who are you? Yeah, yeah. Who am I? And they they keep me going back to my why and who I work for, which is yeah. God. And yeah. so thank you for that to all the trolls out there. <laughs> um, so, but, but I, I really I sat there for a minute <laughs> and thought, gosh, God, I don't think I ever helped her. And it, all the inmates were saying their thank yous and their goodbyes yeah. uh-huh. and, and going back and she's ha- hanging out and I'm thinking, okay, mm. well, there's a guard over there. So yeah, I'll make <laughs> sure I'm next to the guard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she came up to me. She says, so, uh, I've been here before. And I said, okay. And she said, yeah. And uh, I got out. And uh, I decided I, I was going to kill myself. And, and uh-huh. uh, so I knew, though, that I better find out who God is first before I die. So I did something so I'd go back to prison. Because I figured I could find God faster in prison. Wow. And she says, so my plan was... To get back in prison, which I did, and to find God, which I have. And then when I got out this time, I can't even talk about it. But she said, I was going to, I was going to kill myself. And then you messed that up today. <laughs> and I said, what? Wow. Now she's not smiling, you know, sure. and she's not even sure. crying. So I'm not getting what she's trying to tell me right. for a second. There's sure. a delay. Yeah. She says, you messed up that plan. And I said, okay, because I told my sister's story. She says, you told me today that the world's not going to be better without me. I said, it's true. We're not. And she said, and you told me that because I found God, I get to now tell somebody else about him. So I have to stay, don't I? I said, yeah. Wow. We need you to stay. Because you've fallen in the pit and you know how to get out. Yeah. And we need you to stick around for that story. Yeah. She said, okay. 
and she was up for parole and she was applying for the other side academy and i don't i've never found out if she, if she got in or not she or, got in or right. not but you know and i don't know the rest of her story because we don't get to stay in contact with inmates but sure. i think about her often when i tell she's my why she's like there's one if there's one out there today that's listening to this podcast and they're compl- they're contemplating self-harm in any way or they've decided i've relapsed how many times forget about it i've burned every bridge my family and friends don't trust me because once again i'm using or you know here i am again in this shame storm because of whatever my drug use my and i'm nobody's gift anymore i would just say if there's one person that can hear this story listen there's not one day in six and a half years my life is better without meg Right. She had, she had eating disorder. She had addiction. She had a learning disability. She'd been sexually abused. Mm. I knew the demons she fought. And so when people say, well, why did she die by suicide? I say, well, that's the billion dollar question because if I had that answer. Well, yeah. Right? Sure. But what I would boil it down to if I have to give a 30 second commercial is that she started to believe the lie, which is that we would be better without her. And there's not one day of my life. And I think I knew her probably close to better than anyone else. I'd been there for the good, the bad, the ugly. We had had a whole lifetime. We were 18 months apart, right? Yeah. We'd gone through my mom and dad's divorce. We were there on the weekend visits with dad. We were there when my sister Bonnie died. We were there for my mom's mental health struggles. And she believed in me. You know, she was my biggest fan. She could play a mean game of basketball. (laughs) I can't dribble a ball to save my life, Todd, and you can. I know this about you. Yeah. Right? And when she was your friend, she was your friend for life. Yeah. She was loyal, but I Uh, knew her demons. Yeah. And so at the very end, I know that she had started to believe that lie. There's some amazing research about the number of people that survived jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge. Maybe you know this statistic. I re- refresh our memories. Yeah. Yes, I, I remember this, but so I don't know the details. I always it. tell people, don't try it because there's not a big group that survive it. So please don't try it. Like right. that disclaimer, don't try this at home. Don't try jumping off a Golden Gate Bridge or any bridge because right. not a lot of people survive. But of the number that do survive, the percentage of those survivors, 90% of them report a level of joy and happiness they never thought possible the minute they jumped. Because really what suicide is about is pain management. Yeah, That's what I it's just, about. I just want the pain to go away. I just want the pain to go away. That's it. That's all that is about. And so what these people who have survived that jump report later is that they didn't know the happiness that was still coming. They just, on the other side of the jump, saw the pain. Right? We've all been there. Right? And maybe you don't consider yourself suicidal or that you struggle with addiction or that you have those ideations or that you've attempted. But I, I don't know a person on the planet that hasn't gotten to the place of dark. And I've gotten to that place. You know, the grief after Meg, man, I have sat in those places many times thinking, yeah, all the books, all the speaking, all the podcasts, I don't think I've been much of a success. You know, I wrote a book called You Are More Than Enough, You Are Magnificent. (laughs) I still have to buy into that. Yeah. I still have to fight the demon of perfectionism because in my head, really, let's be real, I believed at the age of seven that if I could be perfect, I could save the people I love. 
So the day my brother found Meg, that's yeah. my hell. That's my hell right there. Yeah. Because what I feared happened. And once that door opens in a family or in a school or in a community, yeah. suicide opens a trap door for a lot of people. It does. It makes it seem as an option. Yeah. And so what I like to say to people is, we'll never be better without you. Like that friend I met in the prison that day. She had found God and she knew about him now. And now she had something that she could share. And we needed her whole story. We needed all the the two times in prison, not the perfect checkbox story. We needed the all the mess. You know, there's a really famous broken rake hanging on my wall. You may know about it because I've talked about it. Mm-hmm. My husband just bought a new subwoofer and put it in front of part of that broken <laughs> rake. And I said, dude, you know, the world will not let you block the broken rake. And he goes, I know, I know. We got to move it because the rake. <laughs> so if you don't know this story is right after my sister died, my husband was out working in the yard and broke a rake and threw it in the garbage and I pulled it out. We had lost everything. We had gone through a pretty significant second job loss. And we had no furniture in the house and it was a mess. And so I had hung this rake on the wall in the basement and it took like two weeks for my family to notice it, which was kind of weird because there was no like furniture there, but they finally noticed. And they said, hey mom, what's up with the farm tool like hanging on our wall? And I said, let's have a family meeting about that. Mm. And I said, Let, let's look at this tool. Dad can't take it back to the store because it's not por- right. perfect. Home Depot can't sell it, but really it could still be useful. And I find it beautiful and, and unique looking. Yeah. It's still useful and the handle's broken. And in this family, we've got to get better at about doing broken parts. Wow. Because all of us have got them. You know, the Japanese pottery analogy has kind of been used a lot. It has, yeah. Okay. And I love it and I don't want to take away from it. But the re- there's a flaw to me in that. In that we fix the piece of pottery, right? The, the gold is there and it's yeah. beautiful and it's put back together. But Todd, I don't know about you. I still have broken parts in me. Yeah. They're still there. They're not fixed. Yeah. No one took gold and put the handle back on that rake. Yeah. Right. But it's still useful. And so what I think the conversation needs to be about suicide and mental health and addiction is that to me, the beautiful parts of our stories are those flaws. Yeah. They're not the fixed flaws. They're the ones that are still hanging out there. You know, that's the place I try to teach from and write from and yeah. do media from. And and oftentimes I'm four seconds ahead of whatever I'm going to talk about on TV yeah. or whatever I'm going to give <laughs> yeah. as a as an address to a sure. group. Like sure. oh, four seconds. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even it's not even cooled. The cake's out of the oven and it's still jiggly. <laughs> you know, right. I think I've got the lesson, but it's not gelled yet. You know, yeah. I try to teach from my scars, not my wounds, because I've got current wounds right now that it wouldn't. It's not responsible for me to come on here and talk about them because they're still ongoing. Yeah. But most of what I talk about is is a part of my broken rake. Yeah. You know, and and I don't want to take away from the fact that there can be healing because I really believe in that. Yeah. You know, in my faith practice, I really believe in Christ. And that's what I had to come to grips with with Meg is there's one Savior and I'm not him. Yeah. And really that seven-year-old me had to come to grips with that. Wow. That I can't save anyone. I can invite. I can influence. I can love. But I can't save. Yeah. And man... 
that's hard as a parent. Yeah. That's hard even in the work I do with suicide prevention. When I start hearing from people every day, we lost another one. We lost another one. Sometimes in the exact school I have already spoken in. You're right. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. In the same church I spoke in. In the same community center. I I know they have my book. They watch my YouTube video. Right? Yeah. There's still a little voice inside of me that's like, man, if you could just be a little better, better wife, better mom, better sister, better daughter, yeah. better speaker, better author, better yeah. better YouTube, you know, mm-hmm. YouTuber, then maybe people would stop hurting themselves. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that a lot too. I'll be better when. Yeah. I'll be better if. Yeah. I'll be better when that happens, yeah. you know, and we 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 put ourselves in this place of feeling more suffering because of it. Yeah. And you know, Meg is with me a lot. In mm-hmm. my faith, she's there. Yeah. And I say she's my partner. Yeah. You know, and I feel like she has an awareness now. Um, one of my friends that's also a therapist has taught me a lot about hope. And what she teach, teaches often to her clients is that hope isn't a feeling, it's a plan B. And so I've gotten really big toolboxes filled with lots of tools Mm -hmm. and I have friends that I call that are my SOS friends because when I'm in the dark closet and I can't find the light switch they know that my SOS text means I've forgotten who I really am right but I will also say that if Meg could speak into this mic she would tell you to stay in your body yeah and and she with those those people that survived jumping the Golden Gate Bridge that there's miracles coming and sometimes, you know, the handles of the rakes don't get fixed in the, our lifetime. In our lifetime, yeah. Right? And, and I know therapists out there that are on the front lines like you are, right? Where clients show up and say, I've tried everything. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to give up. Yeah. And one of the things I hear is, well, you haven't tried me. So let's try this program or <laughs> right. this plan B. I like that. Right? Yeah. Listen mm-hmm. to this podcast. Share it with someone that's For coming sure. to your mind and heart right yeah. now. Because it's really about pain management. Yeah. You know, the 9-11, we're approaching the 9-11 anniversary. Yeah. And there are a lot of sad stories from that day. Right. And one of the things I try to remember as a visual, and it's been talked about pretty publicly, is that there were individuals jumping from the building when the first building went down. Right. Because they knew the plane had already hit and they were they were headed and they were trying to control the pain. Yeah. You know, so when people ask about suicide, I say, visualize that. That's what's really going on inside of someone. And so if we can keep putting words on these, this fear of the broken parts of us, that somehow the, that the measuring stick we put out there in the world is that it's all fixed and there's no pain. Yeah. That is the worst story to be telling. Because the reality is, is I wake up every day with vulnerability. Yeah. I wake up every day with flawed parts of me. I wake up every day with stories that if I don't check them, they can put me right back into that place where I'm trying to control everybody around me and all the junk inside of me because the story I'm telling myself is that you would be better without me. I can be there. Yeah. And so if, if you think about it, the audience right now during COVID I think that our our prison inmates have so much to teach us. I agree. Our LGBT friends 
they have so much to teach so us. So much, yes. My LGBT friends are my heroes because they sit in a lot of paradoxes. Yeah. They sit in faith paradoxes and family paradoxes. My recovering addict friends, they're my heroes. Yeah. The people in prison still, they're my heroes. Why? Because they're saying, hey, man, I messed it up. Yeah. And this is my junk. Wow. And I'm trying to claw out of that. Right. Yeah. So I, I think Brene Brown's done such a gift for our society and putting words around shame and around vulnerability yeah. and around, she really has, she really awesome. has, you know, raised the bar on yeah, saying, for sure. listen, uh, you know, you're all in the cheap seats <laughs> <laughs> and the list of people whose opinion matter to me yeah. is about one by one by one sheet. It's a tiny little list. And really what it costs us to be vulnerable is worth the cost because that's connection that's the only path to connection, but it's, it sounds pretty, but it's not fun. Yeah. You know? So my friends that have sat in that and are sitting in that and are on their path of recovery or have really made mistakes and are willing to be honest about it. They're the people I turn to, you yeah. know, they're my SOS friends. Sure. They're my faith friends. They're the ones yeah. who are like, listen, I've been there. Yeah. My favorite episode on West Wing. I'm a huge West Wing fan. Okay. <laughs> I've binge watched it way too much. I just told my family, SOS, someone better buy this on DVD because if Netflix ever takes it off, I'm in trouble. I've rewatched it. I watched it when it originally was on the old school television when we didn't have <laughs> Netflix and right. Amazon Prime, right? Yeah. But one of the best episodes <laughs> is where Leo McGarry, for your fans that, that know the show, he's a recovering addict, drug addict, alcoholic. And he's helping Josh Lyman, who's gone through some PTSD from a shooting. And Josh has had a total break. And he's a mess. And Leo's called in a therapist, to a, a, a trauma therapist. And afterwards, he's talking to Josh. And he says to Josh, I love this story. And I just watched this episode the other day because I've started over again. Uh -huh. And I cried again. <laughs> I know exactly what's coming and I still cry. You still cry, yeah. But your podcast is this. So this is why I'm bringing it up. Sure. Leo says, hey, there's this guy. He falls in a pit. And, uh, you know, a Catholic priest walks by and throws a script Bible verse down. And then a doctor f walks by and throws a prescription down. But then a friend walks by and jumps in the pit. And the guy says, dude, what are you doing down here? Now we're both down here. And the friend turns to him and says, yeah, man, but I've been in the pit. I know the way out. Wow. And so Leo turns to Josh and says, I've been in the pit. As long as I'm here, you're here, right? And so we've got to do more of that, jumping in the pit. Jump in the pit. So I'm going to say to your listeners, if you've had your tail kicked all over town, if you've attempted suicide and you're still here, if you've recovered and then slipped off the wagon 50 times and you're still trying, if you've been there and you've burned the bridges and you're still here, we need you. Yeah. We need you. We need your story. You've been in that pit. Yeah. You know the way out. So wow. keep a journal. You know, start yeah. a blog. Yep. Whatever you got to do. Yeah. Write it down because... There's going to be a day you're going to be walking down the street. And you're going to look down and go, oh, wait. Yeah, man, I've been there. I know that way out. And that's, you know, that's the only reason I keep talking is that I don't have all the answers. I'm willing to have the all hard conversation. Right. Yeah. Because I don't have all the answers. I still have my demons. Sure. But I'm willing to sit down and I love to hear from other people. That's why I have a number of my books that are compilation stories. Sure. And I like that style of 
it's a hard project to work on because people think you didn't really write it. You pseudo wrote it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I ghost wrote a lot. I edit a lot. I call it like I'm either the midwife or I'm the surrogate (laughs) mother for some of those stories. Exactly. I know what that looks like. (laughs) Yeah. But I think compilation stories and podcasts like this are so brilliant because, you know, you may not have my story. Maybe you haven't had lupus or infertility or you haven't lost someone to suicide or whatever it is. But but when we hear each other's story, right, and we hear them in different voices, all of a sudden I love it when I hear from a reader and they say, hey, listen, I've had your book on my bookshelf for like two years. I finally had the courage to read. Finally opened it. I finally opened it. (laughs) And I read this one chapter. It has nothing to do with what's happening in my life. But for some reason, God spoke to me. That's when I'm like, yes, that's the power of a book. That's the power of a podcast. Power of words, for sure. Wow. You're amazing. (laughs) I'm serious. Well, I don't know. and And I mean what I mean by that, too, is... I mean, just you are, you know, we all have our flaws and you're, you're open again. Again, I told you in the very beginning, she's very real and we're getting it. And I think that's why people really love and gravitate towards you. And, and I feel that and I feel really blessed to hear this right now. Me personally. Thank you. So thank you so much. Well, and I think, you know, you're in the trenches and I'm trying to be in the trenches, but we've got to have the coaches that help, like, you know, you inspire me and, 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 and I love the idea of pondering on who do I turn to and who inspires me. I host a show called the middle and I invite guests on there. And then I sometimes do solo messages Mm-hmm. Because uh, I try yeah. to share some of these stories that I've gone through. I don't sure. have the answers, but yeah. I invite people on the yellow couch. We have a yellow couch on the set because <laughs> oftentimes we're living the middle of a story. There's right. not the end. There's not the end, right. There's not a little bow, you know, <laughs> like there's not a little. Some of these stories are chronic. You know, this is yeah. long term like lupus for me. Some people look at me and go, what? What? You don't have. Yeah. Okay, well, some of my symptoms, you can see the arthritis in my hands. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can see my hair falling out. Other than that, you can't see my heart condition. You You can't see the fatigue. You can't, right? And I like to say everyone's got lupus. You know, Robin Williams died the day we placed Meg's headstone. Oh, wow, really? And I felt like for a moment the whole world had suicide grief. Wow. The whole world was like, wait, what? The funniest, most creative, talented artist i think in our time oh yeah i agree he's one of my favorite right patch adams hook what i mean the list is yeah right um he's gone right he didn't think we were better with him what what now we've come to find out he had some brain stuff going on it gets me every time by the way when you say you thought you weren't better with we were better with you right and that, I, that hits me hard. Right, because I think the reality is, Todd, is that there's 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 not one of us walking around that there isn't a pain, a story. I had a really negative review for one of my books, and it was for You Are More Than Enough, You Are Magnificent. This reviewer was pretty harsh with me, and she said, well, listen, if Gaina Lynn feels like she's insecure then there's no hope for me she's done this and this and this and she's got these shows and this family and da 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 and all the work i do to try to be authentic so i (laughs) the greatest compliment you can give me is that i'm authentic because that's really what i try to be for sure i don't i don't try to be in victim right right but that so that's a balance i've got to celebrate the things in my life i have a lot to celebrate right yeah 
But I also try to say, hey, it's not perfect. Anyway, she was saying this reviewer was a he, she, not a he. But she said, then there's no hope for us. If she feels insecure, then what? I'm thinking, are you kidding? I know some of the most famous, accomplished. Yeah. So do you, Todd. Yeah, absolutely. You treat them. Yeah. Right? Yep. On the outside, Hollywood is filled with stories of the most accomplished, the biggest homes, the most, the peak of achievement. Yeah. And, and some of those people are the most insecure. Yeah. So I don't know why this reviewer thought that once you check this box and this box and this box, then you're home free. Yeah, you're all of a sudden perfect. You're all of a sudden perfect. Yeah. Because guess what? I still have family relationships that aren't working. Yeah. God, they're not. They're a mess. You know? Yeah. And I feel like I have some skills. <laughs> I've yeah. worked really hard. I have an education. <laughs> sure. I've I I do a lot of research. I have a lot of conversations. And it's hard when I feel like I can help strangers and I can't help people closest to me right. sometimes. Right? Yeah, that's tough. Right? Yeah. Right? Yep. And and I'm gonna say that that's that's the conversation we need to keep having is that you don't know anyone's pain unless you are willing to sit with them. Wow. And to I me, the that. most inspiring people, I think Brene is one of those people that she's been willing to teach from that place of vulnerability. Yeah. yeah. She's been able to say, hey, the day after she gave her TED Talk that reached billions at this point, right? right she sure. didn't get out of bed and stop eating peanut butter out of the jar for like two weeks, yeah. right? The vulnerability it takes for us to show up. And maybe yeah. you're not a podcaster. Maybe you're not a speaker. Right, sure. Maybe you're not an author. But you're creating in some space in your life, and that opens you up. Yeah. I mean, I I often say the heroes for me are the moms of the ADD kids that are trying to do reading homework. Yeah, and we don't hear about them. No. We never hear about it. No. You know, I mean, I try to invite them on some of no my shows. And there's no one there to applaud and them. And no one's or there anything. to give, put them on the front exactly. of a magazine. Yeah. They are the real heroes. I mean, I love that you say that because there's so many people behind the scenes. Yeah. They're the heroes, but we never talk about them. You never hear about them on the news. Yeah. Nothing. I know my mom's going to listen to this because she listens to everything I put out. <laughs> Same with my mom, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness for moms, Thank right? goodness for moms. So, Mom, yeah. if you're listening to this, because she still fights her demons and it gets bad. She's gone through some really bad times. So, you know, COVID has been really hard. My stepdad has cancer so they've had to socially distance and yeah they gotta be really careful her normal connections and all the things right anyways i was talking to her the other day and she gets tired she's in her 70s and she's been fighting some of these demons a long time she's gone to the therapist she's taken the supplement she's taken the medicine she's done all the things in the toolbox everything yeah you know, there's a different story of a 15-year-old that I'm talking to that says, I want to die, than a 7-year-old woman who's tried. Yeah. I say to the 15-year-old, your frontal cortex hasn't fully developed. Yeah, you got The end of your story hasn't even hasn't started. Hasn't even started. No, right. no, I promise. <laughs> if I thought my life was what junior high and high school was, I, I would have been in sore trouble, right? So I say to them, wait, your story is still to come. Your learning disability, your addiction, your uh, depression, anxiety may be your gift to the world. Hold on. But to my, to my mama, who's tired, right? She's one of my biggest heroes, and it wasn't easy. I, I, she'll be the first to say she wasn't an easy mom to have, right? And that she made a lot of mistakes. But one of the things I always love about 
is that she has a place in her heart of empathy and forgiveness yeah. and acceptance that comes because she's very aware yeah. of where she flaws, mm. her flaw, where her flaws are and where yeah. her mistakes have been. Sure. And she's my biggest fan, you know, right. <laughs> and she's, she's there on the, on the hard days. I called her a couple of weeks ago with a heartbreak and I just said, I don't care if I'm almost 50. <laughs> I just need to cry to my mom, Yeah, you know, sure. and I need my mom to tell me that I'm the best and I'm the greatest. And, and maybe you don't have that kind of relationship with your mom, but yeah. if you're listening to this and you think you've burned every bridge and you've made every mistake and that. You know, you've messed up as a parent. I think that's the worst grief. For sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's my worst shame storm right yeah, there. You same know, here. I get to write about it in books and talk about it and keep processing it. Right. But but I would just say my life would never be better without my mom. Yeah. You know, she has made mistakes, yeah. but I'm glad she's stuck around yeah. for the good days and the bad days. Yeah. And the celebrations All that still it, right? can happen, the still, the still showing up, the still sticking with us, you know, part of the story that I, I wow. believe in miracles and I believe I there's a million yeah. to wow. still come and they, and they look like they're slow, right? They look like they're never going to happen and that those relationships are never going to heal. And I think we, we've mentioned the other side Academy. I love what principles they teach oh, there man. of complete. It's amazing. They're, they're right there. Oh, There's the list right that's there. A, that's literally by my back door to the same <laughs> picture we're looking at here. Yeah. Their, their sense of humility and accountability and forgiveness. I always say, man, I wish everyone could go to prison so they could go to the other side Academy so they could go through the program so they could learn how to, what, what they call playing games, right? Yes. Where they sit down and they take responsibility. They take responsibility. That's it. And yeah. we don't know how that looks all the time. We it's don't amazing. know what that looks like all the time. Yeah. But I always say to people, what, what, what you may be wanting to write both of us right now and say, mm -hmm. well, I have a loved one that's struggling. What would your advice be? I would say, listen, you can't save. You can invite, you can influence, and you can love. Yeah. Because if you're a family member of someone that's got mental health and addiction, you're burnt. Yeah. You're yeah. burnt. You're fried. You're fried. Yep. Totally. So it's time to bring in the, the, the troops to bring help Bring in the out. troops yeah. to help, yeah. for sure. Number two, I would say you can invite and influence, but you've got to have the boundary. Yeah. You know, my mom, the greatest thing she did right before Meg took her life is that she got clear that she had done everything for Meg. Yep. Or else she would have been right behind her. Exactly. Literally yeah. months before yeah, or else we would have lost to. two. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, she had to come to terms with the fact that there was some codependency there, right? And that yeah. she had done everything and that she had loved Meg the best she could love Meg and got Meg the best help she could get Meg. Yeah. And then I would say finally, especially to your younger listeners, is that Oh man, there's so much to come. You know, yeah. we need your story. We need your set of skills yeah. and your broken handle. For sure. That's the beautiful part of you. That's yeah. where grace is entering, right? We're all part of the same equation. Yeah. Right. And when one loses, we we're, we're all, all lost. We all lose. Yeah, yeah, we really do. I think there's not a there's not a day that does goes by, Todd, that I don't get a message from someone that's lost someone else in their community. Man. And, and, and then there's that delicate balance of like, do we, uh, do we celebrate the suicide by talking about it in our schools and in our churches and in our workplace? And I say, that's kind of crazy for me to talk about it in that way. I don't love obituaries that eliminate suicide as the cause 
or right. addiction as the cause because that's the human part of the story part of the, part of the story yeah, yeah. and the people usually closest know yeah. and then we've got to have a different approach to that grief because suicide grief is a what if grief yeah i've spent a lot of nights replaying you know yeah. what more could i have because I had been in the pit with her and yeah. we had climbed out. And climbed out. So I had had a lot of stories of the climbing out. Yeah. And so why not this time? Why not? Yeah. She had a great therapist. Meg had the greatest therapist. She had a great bishop, Mormon bishop, right? And he met with her every week for three years. She was back in college. She was serving in, in her community. She had good friends and family. And she got tired. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you're tired, I would just say find Find one more way to turn the light up today. Just yeah. one way. Yeah. Sometimes for me, that's a Will Ferrell movie. Yeah. Elf. <laughs> right? Oh, my my kids love <laughs> Elf. Like, that is, they'll, they'd watch that all year round. I do, Seriously. Todd. <laughs> I love that's your kids awesome. already because yeah. my family's like, why is it July and we're listening to Christmas music and watching Elf? <laughs> and I'm like, kids. listen, it got dark <laughs> today, so we're turning up the light. Yeah, we're turning up the light. That doesn't solve every problem. I'm I, not saying. I love that analogy. Yeah. Turn up the light a little bit. Just Even if it's bit. just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yep. You know, for me, it is a good Diet Coke and Christmas music. <laughs> That gets me through a lot of dark days, you oh, know, and then, awesome. and then I can Seriously. see when I start to isolate, right? Like you started out this whole conversation with connection. Yeah. Even my SOS friends, I would say, think of your five SOS friends because you'll talk yourself out of the first three. You'll say, oh, well, Todd's too busy. Yeah. Gina's just had surgery. Yeah. I'm literally saying real friends names here. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Shauna's back to school teacher. So yeah. she's stressed and that leaves you two. Then you'll call one. They won't answer. And then you'll text the last one. Yeah. Because we all need, and, and I would say to your listeners, think of those five right now, right now, yeah. and text them, say, I was just listening to this lady. She's got a really weird name, yeah. really weird name. <laughs> <laughs> I do not know how to say her name. It sounds like she's gay, but she's not gay. You want to hear a funny story? This is, you can ask my wife this. The whole week, You've been I've practicing. been practicing you did so good, how to say your name. <laughs> I'm not kidding name. you. And my wife can go, that's not how she says it. <laughs> And then I'm like, oh, okay, I better listen to it one more time. And then I'm like, okay. And I, and sure enough, as soon as I say, how do you say your name? I know all my gay friends say, just tell people you're an ally because <laughs> it sounds like you should be gay. Gainal Lynn. And it was my great grandma's name was Gainal. My mom's middle name is Gainal. And then my mom ate, added a hyphen and a Lynn. Yeah. Sorry, mom. That yeah. is the most complicated name. Yeah. On the, it's got a hyphen. It's got hey, grammar in it's it. It's a good that, talking point. <laughs> It right? is. A, it breaks. It breaks. <laughs> breaks the, the ice. It does, but it's always the thing people are so nervous if they haven't. If I go on a TV show, hey, you, I go up to the producer and say, "Do you want to practice?" And they're like, "They're sweating." Flaws. Oh my, yes. My flaws. I'm not kidding you. I was anxious Stressed. about your name. You just the whole him. week. Oh. I'm like, "How do I say your freaking listen. name?" And I list. You would laugh. I swear, if there was a video in here, I'm watching your Good Things You Tell interview, and as Nisha is introducing you, I, I went bam. Bam. I, I went back and forth. I swear to you, twenty times. I think well, I think I've got it, and I'd be over here, Galen, and I would say it out loud. I'm not kidding. You. So that full, was my that was my practice. Full disclosure here, Todd. I always feel bad for the other person if they say it wrong. I don't feel bad for me. Okay. I always am like, do you need to go to therapy? I'll pay for the session yeah, for you because I'm, I can I tell you feel some. so yeah. bad, and I don't. I'm not embarrassed about it. Listen. When I needed a YouTube channel, people go, how do I find you? I said, listen, Google <laughs> even knows who you're talking about. Just start typing it and Google's like, oh, it's her. We that know who weird that is. name there it is. lady. Yeah. yeah. So you can find me on all the platforms. 
because no one has my name. No that's the has. only good reason to See, have that's it. that's good, though. Junior high, it was that's good. horrible. Sets you apart. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. At the time, I was like, yeah. Mom. And then don't tell your kids what you were going to name them. Do you know what I was supposed to be named? What? Danielle. Because my dad's name is Daniel. Danielle. Oh. All the cute girls were named Danielle. Yeah. Don't tell your kid that. <laughs> Don't tell your kid that you were going to have the cool. Because then you go, I wanted that name. I know. Yeah. I'm like, Gainolin. It's fine. I own it now. It's fine. Yeah. But yeah. it it has, yeah. it almost, it almost didn't allow us to get married, my husband and I, because he couldn't say it. He <laughs> wanted to ask me out. That is a true That's story, awesome. Todd. Oh my God. He was like, That's my, awesome. he was like, in college our apartment complex is by each other and he didn't know how to say my name so he didn't ask me out for like seven weeks wow yeah it almost ruined everything that's fun yeah so wow. anyways i would just okay. say to anyone listening if you say it wrong i am not going to be offended. not gonna be offended well that's my awesome. nail people just call me um they speak vietnamese and i love them so much yeah. which vietnamese to me is the most complicated language ever it's sure. very tonal yeah. Right. I kn- yeah. I'm like, wait, you just said three different words. They all sounded the same to right. me. Right. They can't say my name. So they call me G. G. So if you ever see me on the street, please don't avoid what me. Up, just G? come up and say, hey, what up, <laughs> G? And I'll be like, hey, because yeah. that's what my nail people call me is G. No, you're awesome. Yeah. Well, you know what? You're so easy to talk oh. to. Thank you. Well, you're easy to talk to, too. Uh, I thank hope so, you. But and thank you for your emoting and, and crying with me. And your viewers yeah. can't see on a podcast yeah. what's going on. <laughs> I'm over here. No, it's the, sa- it's the same. It, to me, it's yeah. it's so healing. Yeah. It's No, I, I feel so blessed to be able to sit in this chair and listen to your amazing story and everyone who sat here before you. And I just want to thank you for just being you and being vulnerable thank today. You. Um, you shared some really powerful things that hit me hard. Um, I can't wait to share this with all my clients. And I want everyone to share it with, listen to it, obviously, and share it to everyone that you know. Because we all need to hear this today, honestly. Every day, right? Every, every day. And so one of the questions I want to ask you is if people want to reach out to you. Yeah. Who are listening to this. They want to ask you a question. Yeah. They want to, you know, be able to get, you know, all the many books that you do or, or you know, tap into your podcasts and your blogs and all that stuff you do. What's the best way for them to do that? So I have a website that's just my name, no hyphen in it. Just okay. No hyphen. Spell it out for us. G-A-N-E-L-L-Y-N. So gainalyn.com. Okay. And I'm on YouTube. And I'm on Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook. I my Facebook friend limit has been reached. You've hit it. I know, and I'm I feel bad about that. And the other day I sent messages to the 400 friend requests because I have a separate page that's just my first name okay. that doesn't have a limit. Gotcha. And I guess the message sounded a little funny. I said I've hit my friend limit, so. <laughs> yeah. So stay away. I didn't mean I don't want new friends. <laughs> right. In real life, <laughs> it means Facebook won't let me add yeah, anymore. Right. So you can message me there. Um, Instagram I know allows for private messaging as well, and I yeah. get those. And and oftentimes, you know, I think it's just hearing permission to yeah. reach out that is okay. helpful. Amazon has all of my books, but Kay. my website has links to various links places to that you yeah. can buy. Um, awesome. And I, I'm still a fan of the old school book. You yeah. know, I know people like Audible and digital oh, book. Oh, I'm a I book like guy. To, I, I like highlighting. I like writing a note Same. on the side. And the other it makes thing, me remember it more. Right. And and the other thing I would say is I, I started writing the first book not knowing there would be seven. Right. Um, because... I wanted I wanted what was in that book. I needed it for yeah. 
when I had been going through similar things, I wish someone had handed me that. And I think there's something about a book that is like, you can't fix a divorce for someone. You can't fix a miscarriage or the death of a child or a husband that has bipolar, but you can hand a book to someone and they can sit it on their shelf and when they're ready, when they're ready for it, they get to have it. a best friend. They get to do it. The greatest compliment my readers give me is when they write and say, "It feels like your books are my best friends." I say, uh, "Praise God for that." Yeah, that's. And God really is my boss. He's my why. <laughs> if I disappear, it's because He told me I'm done, and I really yeah. see what I do as a mission. Sure. There's a lot of great speakers and authors and practitioners and commentators and YouTubers out there, yeah. um, but I definitely see this as a mission, and I feel like. My sister's part of my mission. Yeah. She's my companion, and That's she's awesome. cheering me on. Amazing. And, uh, and so if if ever I disappear, it's not because I went to an island and I'm hiding right. from people. Hiding it's just that yeah. God said, you're done. And so for now, I'll keep showing up yeah. and adding whatever I can. So thanks for letting me be here absolutely. today. No, absolutely. And this connecting. For sure. In person. I know. It's so nice. It I won't so take it for granted. I know. Me if neither. anyone in the universe is listening, <laughs> I cleaned out the spice rack in my kitchen. I thought that would signal to the universe no more COVID. Like that's I did it. Yeah. I donated books because my bookshelf was getting too <laughs> yeah, full. Getting too full. I thought that would signal the COVID could be mm-hmm. over. It didn't. You know when you wash your car and then it rains? I figured there's got to be something in the universe yeah. we've got to do. Yeah. So honestly, in seriousness, though, I think, what is it that I've learned? I learned where I still needed to work on some stuff. Mm-hmm. I learned where I was distracting. I learned what I was taking for granted. I'm a hugger. If you ever see me, I probably will hug you. Yeah, I'm a hugger, too. Yeah. So, yeah and, I get it. And that's <laughs> the worst part of speaking in the prisons. You can't touch. Can't hug. Yeah. That's the only reason I don't love to. What's funny, though, when I spoke at the prison, yeah. um, th- guys were kind of shaking my hand, and I had a guy going, hey, can I give you a hug? <gasps> he let. And I said, sure. Oh, listen. And the guy hugged me, and the, the guard kind of looked, and I said, hey, I said he could. Oh, they were I'm cool going to ask. It. Okay, next time. And it was, it was a, and. Anyway, that's a whole other story. Yeah. It's not about me, but anyway. Yeah. But no, yeah, you can't. I hear you. I hear you. No, the last prison, I was supposed to do it a few weeks ago, and it got canceled because yeah. of COVID, but yeah. the last time I was there, uh, an inmate had just lost his son to suicide, oh, wow. and he sat in the corner and sobbed, and I did a Q&A, and he raised his hand, and I had been warned that that had just happened, and he asked, what if you can't get over? And I'm just feeling like one of one of your listeners needs to know this. This is a unique grief. Yeah. And I, and I would just say, like like I've already said it multiple times, you can invite, you can influence, but you have permission to have boundaries. Yeah. The most sure. loving thing we can do in relationships is to say no sometimes. Yeah. Yep. And I've learned that. I've learned boundaries are so loving, but they're hard. Yes. And I think there's all these resources floating out there, and we just want our loved ones. I mean, I remember literally three weeks before Meg died, I remember thinking, oh, should I send her this? whatever fill in the gap yeah. you know and, and i didn't i felt restrained in doing it and and it took me a good year to say oh you know should i yeah. and then one day i ran into someone that had used that exact tool and she was a mess wow. and i felt like it was god's way of saying see you know yeah. there's there's it's see that's still the little voice in me, the seven year old that's still trying to heal that fixing, For that sure. saving yeah. that I'm always working on, right? Yeah. Like that I can do my part, but I have to surrender the result. Right. You know? No, awesome. 
Well, this was amazing. Thank you so much Thanks, for being here. You're amazing. And I'm so grateful that we finally got to meet in person. Yes. And uh, I can't wait for people to hear this. And I know now that you've, or you're hearing me talk right now, you've obviously listened to this. I know you've been inspired. Please share this with people you know who are struggling with no matter what it is because they need to hear this message. And like you said, we need to hear it every day. I love you guys. I love my listeners. Thank you so much for all your support and believe it in me. <clears throat> I couldn't do it without you guys. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> Didn't mean to get emotional there, but I, I'm just grateful. I can't believe how this has taken off. And uh, I'm just grateful for people like you. Uh, and uh, I, I just don't know what else to say. I, I feel so blessed. And I, I want you guys to know that I love you. And I can't wait to, to have you guys hear this. And I love you. And I'll talk to you soon. Till next time. Thank you.